Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio automatically keeps out the sounds you don't want to hear so you can listen to your music and lowers your music to let in the sounds you do need to hear. Hi there. Hi, what can I get you? I'll have a strawberry mango coconut probiotic smoothie with wheatgrass. Anything else? Extra wheatgrass. Here you go. AirPods Pro with adaptive audio available on AirPods Pro second generation when enabled. What up? It's the Crossover Pod, a Friday edition. I'm Howard Beck, senior writer for Sports Illustrated. Opening night, it's almost here, folks, just days away. The highlight, of course, will be Lakers at Warriors, two teams that generate more drama and storylines and chatter than, well, everybody else combined. Um, It's going to be ring night, of course, in San Francisco. Draymond Green will be there to get his ring and play to the great surprise of many people. Obviously a big topic of discussion and no one better to discuss a ring night or the Lakers or drama than my old pal Robert Ori, who has seen uh, his share of ring nights since he has seven of them. Uh, Rob has some very strong opinions on the Draymond situation. He's got some pretty strong thoughts on the Russell Westbrook situation as well with his old team, the Lakers. We get into all that. Plus, Rob has some pretty bold predictions on which four teams will make the conference finals this season. Before we get to all that, quick plug, Laker-related plug. Sports Illustrated and Triumph Books have a great new book uh, commemorating the Lakers' 75 years. It's called The Greatest Show on Earth, and I was honored to write the introduction for it. It's now available for pre-order with a 30% discount. We'll tell you about that in a second. The book itself, it's a compilation of 15 stories 
from the pages of SI from the 60s all the way to the present. Profiles of all the Laker legends, Magic and Kareem, Kobe, Shaq, LeBron, Wilt Chamberlain, Jerry West, and written by some of the best sports writers ever to do it. Frank DeFord, Gary Smith, Jack McCallum, Phil Taylor, Lee Jenkins, Chris Ballard. It's a wonderful book. Uh, great early gift to buy for the holidays too. And you can pre-order now with a 30% discount. Go to triumphbooks.com and search for Greatest Show on Earth. There's also a direct link in the summary of this podcast, or you can type in a bit.ly link, bit.ly backslash Lakers 75. Again, bit.ly backslash Lakers 75. When you get to checkout, use the discount code Lakers 30. Again, that's Lakers 30 is your discount code. Go order the book. It's wonderful. Um, that's the end of my plug. My conversation with Robert Ori is coming up next. So stick around. This is The Crossover, an NBA show hosted by Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. It's a whole new level for you and me, Chris, this relationship. Like and subscribe for the best weekly NBA content these two are capable of. What does that mean? Could be the best duo ever. I don't see how you can beat that. Here they are, Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. Now very pleased to welcome back to the show seven-time NBA champion... Never get tired of saying it, but he gets. But he never gets tired of hearing it. The only person on earth who calls me Fred, which is not my name, which is okay because people call him Bob. And he's still he is still not Bob. Robert Ory, how are you, sir? I'm great, man. How are you, man? It's good to see you, my friend. Good to see you too. Good to see you here on uh, just a few days from opening night. Um, you are coming to me live from Montreal today, where you are uh, playing. NBA roving ambassador for the preseason game tonight between Celtics and who? Raptors. Raptors. That's it. Yeah. That, that makes. Yes. Oh yeah, it's Canada. How did I forget <laughs> the Canadian team? Good, good, good job, Beck. We, we um, miss Vancouver, though. We miss the Grizzlies in Vancouver. Oh, oh, a, amen and hallelujah. Uh, I would. I know everybody's all obsessed with getting back to Seattle, which we also all miss. Those of us who have been around long enough, like you and me. Um, but yeah, Vancouver. I would love to be back in Vancouver. Great city. Uh, not that Toronto's not bad. And you're in Montreal, which I've still never been to. Yeah. Uh, maybe we need an NBA expansion team in Montreal, too. Yeah, Montreal is, is really nice. When I got here, it was the opening night for um, the Montreal uh, hockey team. I think, I think the Maple Leafs. And it was crazy busy here. The city was bananas. So when you have great fans like that, you know, that might can transcend over to basketball. But they do love basketball here, though. They do. They do. Canada's become a very big basketball country thanks to uh, the Raptors. And uh, I think Vince Carter can take a lot of credit for that uh, from back in the day. And, hey, and all the number one draft picks they've had in the NBA. So don't forget about that. <laughs> they've, you know what? They've, they've produced a lot of talent for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so good job, Canada. Um, mm-hmm. we, we, need, we need more Canadian NBA cities. I want to come back up there more often. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk opening night your former team the lakers at the warriors for ring night we will also get into some lakers stuff for sure that being your old team and of course you do great work on uh was spectrum sports net is that the correct title yes okay yes they they changed they changed the name like every two years of of the lakers networks i it's it's hard to keep up just Um, you know it's spectrum we bought out by charter house and so it's still just spectrum yeah all right uh i'll try to get that straight um so uh, about that though, that so Tuesday night's ring night, 
Opening night of the NBA season, ring night, Lakers at Warriors. Uh, people can watch that on TNT. Um, as I might have mentioned, you have seven freaking rings. <laughs> um, that's a lot of ring nights, too. So do you have like a, do you have a favorite ring night memory? Um, I, you know what? I have a favorite and a, and a bad one, too, because I'm going to start off with the bad. Because when, I, when the Lakers um, decided not to sign me, I signed with San Antonio. And it was their ring night. So I'm sitting there like, this feels very awkward to sit here on the bench and watch these guys who took us out of the playoffs get their rings. And that was the most awkward and most frustrating feeling ever. So it was it was really, really weird. And I've never talked about it with anyone but you. But it was it was crazy, man. You know, think about it. You just got beat by a team that you should have beat. They ran a ring, a ring and you sitting there watching them all happy getting your ring and you sitting there like a little sad kid who got left out and <laughs> who couldn't go play. But that was crazy. But I think the, the first ring night is always the best ring night, you know, in Houston, 94 and beating the Knicks and the series going, the series going seven games. It was magical, magical because think about it. That city as a whole had never won a championship in any of its franchises. They're not the Oilers, not the Astros. And we were the first team, to bring a championship to that city. So it was magical. And that first one, it, it was, it was hard. It was, it's, it was hard to like, you know, you know, emulate that feeling again, because even though when I was in LA, growing up an LA fan, you win in that championship. It's like, Oh, I already been there, done that type of thing. But it, you know, all of them have great moments, but that first was always, it was, was spectacular for me. Does it linger um, for the team that won it? And maybe when you've won a bunch, maybe by the third one you won with the Lakers, maybe it's, it's not, <laughs> Like the emotions aren't as strong, but I've always wondered about like I don't know what the the record is of the champion on ring night, uh, what their record is in that game. I imagine the emotions are so in, just intense that it could end up being a distraction for them. Do you recall like is is it tough to play after you do all that and you're celebrating your last accomplishment, but now you're starting a new season? Um, for me, it it was never tough because I've always wanted to repeat. I've always wanted to say, oh, this wasn't a fluke. Oh, we can do this thing. And in my mindset, that's how I, I am. And you know me, you probably never see me with my ring on, uh, any of my rings on. And when you get your ring, immediately give it back to whoever gave it to you. You say, all right, forget about that. Let's play. And that was my mindset. And I don't know where that came from, but that's just how I've always been. I was just like, you know what? The past is the past. You can't live off your past. You got to move forward. And, and for me, you put that ring down, you try to get that done because rings are addictive. And you want to be greedy in this situation and collect as many rings as you possibly can. Uh, and you did. So I guess that makes you very greedy. <laughs> I'm very greedy. I am very greedy, very selfish. <laughs> I, I hadn't actually thought about, yeah, so it was 2003. Uh, the Spurs had won the championship that year, ending the Lakers uh, three in a row. And yeah, that was the summer where you end up, the Lakers signed Carl Malone and Gary Payton. So they Correct. got a they kind of just like, you know, kicked you to the curb. Never mind that you'd help them win three straight championships and you're a key part of the whole Shaq Kobe dynasty. Never mind all that. Uh, and then you go join their one of their greatest rivals at the time, the Spurs. So you're sitting there on Spurs opening night, ring night, as the previously vanquished Laker, who's now a Spur, watching Tim Duncan and, and uh, Parker and everybody get the that, – that's, that's awkward. That is definitely <laughs> awkward. I hadn't even thought of that. It's very awkward. And you're sitting there and everybody's all happy. Oh, look, we got another ring. And I'm sitting there like, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
you you had you had enough of the good brig nights to uh, to offset more than offset. So that's yeah. so that's good. Um, all right, we will talk about the Lakers, your former team, and all the stuff they're going through. And there's a report just before you and I logged on uh, ESPN reporting that Russ is going to come off the bench in their final preseason game tonight. So that'll be interesting. Um, but before we get to the Lakers, uh, let's talk about the other team or the team that they are visiting on ring night because we are legally obligated to discuss Draymond Green. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, this is the story that's dominated the league for the last week and a half, and I feel like we're going to be talking about it for a while still because now it's going to be, you know, because he's playing um, a preseason game tonight. It'll be his first since the incident. We'll be, you know, scrutinizing that and all the interactions with Jordan Poole. We'll be doing it again on opening night. We'll be doing it again for weeks and maybe months to come. Um, so let me start with the punch itself because there's been a lot of the, ah, these things happen. They just don't get out. You played 16 seasons in the NBA, Rob. Did you ever see a punch of that nature between teammates at a practice? Never. You know, I've seen guys push and shove and, you know, you usually just grab. And, uh, and that punch to me was just, it was awful. You know, and if you if you start from the beginning where Draymond walks up to him and pull like kind of he doesn't even push him hard, in my opinion. And then he puts his hand out and turns away and then Draymond, you know, just clocks him from it and then rushes him. You know, I, you know, most guys will just punch and step back, but he punches him and rushes him. And if they and no telling how many punches would have been thrown if the people around him or that wall wasn't there to, you know, hold up on um, Poole's fall from well completely going flat line um i think it was it had been a little bit you know nasty and and and, and you know you know you, you really don't want to see that man it's just it's just hard to talk about because that's your teammate yeah. Yeah. and for your teammate just to just sucker punch you like that because that's what it was it's it's not right in so many ways i don't know how to define sucker punch anymore i always thought sucker punch was kind of like <laughs> you're coming up on somebody from behind or it's like completely unexpected like you've just shoved or he's just shoved Poole has shoved Draymond. So there is, you're already getting physical. Is it a sucker punch in that context? Well, yes, because Draymond, I mean, Poole wasn't trying to defend himself. Mm. You know, how many times have Draymond been pushed like that in a game, but even worse, but didn't throw a punch? And this is someone from another team, not your mm. teammate. So that's why it falls into the sucker punch realm, because this okay. is your teammate. And watch, there's so many times you go back and look at his crib. People have pushed Draymond, did things more egregious, and he doesn't do anything. But this is your teammate, so that's why it's a sucker punch. Okay. All right. I'll buy that. I just mm-hmm. wasn't – you know, the definitions <laughs> there are a little hazy to me. So, yeah, yeah. but you um, know, the definition be different for you, for that guy and that guy. So, you know, <laughs> that's my definition because I've seen um, him get pushed, you know. Yeah. So, in, I mean, the, in the wake of this, and I think it was before the video leaked, Steve Kerr, you know, kind of downplayed it just by saying, look, I've been in the NBA or around the NBA for a long time as a player and coach. I've seen more than 20 – fist fights of some sort um but it sounds like and look i mean steve himself got punched by michael jordan in what i understand was a fairly similar way um so certainly his baseline comparison point might be different than anybody else's right and everybody's got their own experience but you're saying in 16 years you've never seen anything like it so um that's i mean that's i mean that's that's pretty serious that's i mean we we rarely even see that in nba games anymore much less between yeah. teammates but you know what's weird not sorry to interrupt you no, it's go. like when you're winning you usually don't have issues where people want to punch each other because everybody's happy and that's the odd part about that they were coming off a championship and so yeah. 
for you to punch someone. Now, think about it. I threw a towel in Danny Ainge's face. We sucked in the, at the Suns. We didn't practice every day about the fight in the Suns because they didn't practice hard. They didn't know the way to the path to a championship because they didn't have that pedigree. They thought it was a freaking, you know, and it was a certain way that Sam Cassell, myself, Mark Bryan, and Chucky was used to practicing. These guys weren't like that. So it was almost fights every day because they didn't practice hard. And so when you have this situation where you're coming off a championship, you should be happy season's coming in because you're getting ready to repeat. There should be no animosity like that in practice. And so that leads to, you know, there has to be something deeper, something underlying in this situation for him to haul off and hit him like that. Yeah. What was the worst you've seen? If you haven't seen a punch of that nature, like there was the infamous Shaq versus Kobe dust up in a uh, practice in the offseason in 1998 that Olden Polonese broke up, or at least Olden Polonese said he broke up. Well, Olden Polonese, <laughs> Olden's got a lot of stories, uh, but but he says he broke it up and kept Shaq from, from, from uh, you know, uh, doing more damage there. Um, were you there for that one, Rob? Or if not that one, then what's what's the, the biggest thing you've seen in practice? Uh, I was there, there. The only one that really got out of hand for us was when Vernon and Carl Herrera got into a fight in the weight room. Vernon Maxwell and, and uh, Carl Herrera. Oh, Carl Herrera. Okay. Right, when I was with the Rockets. Yeah. And they were in the weight room throwing weights at each other. And they came out and said, hey, they fight, come break it up. And we're like, they throwing weights. Fuck that. We ain't going in there. Excuse my language. But, you know, it was just, it was one of those situations yeah. where they were throwing weights at each other. And that, that, that didn't really happen. And then they got into another fight where they, you know, they punched each other in the arms and the chest, but not in the face and just grabbed each other. But other than that, you know, and people always, I always laugh at saying people when Shaq and Kobe got into fights in practice. And I was there for seven years, and I don't ever remember in a fight that he got into practice. There was a lot of trash talking, and that's everybody talked trash in practice. But I never saw a fight in the locker room or you know on the court. And and it's and it's amazing to me how these stories come out. And I always ask myself, was I there? Where, where was I? And it confuses me when people who weren't on the team said this happened. I'm like, damn, I was on the team in 2000, 2001. I don't remember a fight, so. I don't remember any other fights in my career, not and especially not in San Antonio. Shaq and Kobe at least probably got in a little like no, well, scuffles, like little shoving matches or something, probably right. Like there must have been like little things. No, no. Mm-mm. The maddest, the maddest I ever seen Shaq in practice when Mark Madison kept fouling him and field one call a foul, and that that was the only time. You know, I don't think I, don't, I never seen. You no, know, think about it. I've seen Shaq fight three other people on the court, and I've seen him slap Ostertag, but I never seen him put hands on a teammate. The uh, the Oster tag slap. That was my first season covering you guys, and uh, that happened in the shoot around in the morning. So I don't think any of us in the media saw it. It was just like the words just spread immediately. So yeah. um, leveled him, from what I recall. Mm-hmm. That was the story, anyway. Across America, BP supports more than two hundred seventy five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid scale solar energy in Ohio, and Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury 
the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Should Draymond have been suspended? You know, yes. I, I think he should have been suspended. Um, this is why you'd be suspended because think about this. If you're in an NBA game and you punch someone, you get suspended, right? And now, and also you have to think about this. Um, and Draymond brought this up himself. Ring night is probably one of the best nights in basketball. Now, when you have ring night, your family comes in. You don't know who's in Pooh's family. He got some, you know, some knuckleheads or some people who want revenge. They might be plotting. And then you now you got Draymond who said this. His, you know, his mom already said something that, oh, that wasn't a bad thing. Now you got more animosity building up. And so they should suspend, suspend Draymond for one for punching him because you don't punch a teammate. And because ring night is a way to teach you a lesson because we can't go through a season with your antics because you are already on tilt. Now, because there's something else going to come up. We've seen you, you know, kick someone in the groin. We've seen you do all these dirty antics. Now, you think you can get away with it. Now, this is the perfect punishment. And, I, and you know, I, I, I've always liked the Lake. I mean, the, the Warriors organization. You know, I'm good friends with Ritter over there. But this is so wrong in so many ways that they should suspend him for that game because this is the most important thing in a franchise's history of ring night. What's the better way to teach someone unless making miss that moment? I get that, Rob. And um, 
And I think there's obviously merit to that, and that is the standard approach to something like this, right? Like this may be the first time in NBA history, or at least modern NBA history, enduring yours and my's, my uh, memory of the league, that something this egregious has happened where mm-hmm. the only punishment, at least that we know of, is is a fine, <laughs> and we don't know the amount of the fine. Um, but, and I wrote this the other day, and I, 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 I'm sure you will disagree based on what you've just said, but this is the way, <laughs> this is the way I looked at it. So... The Warriors know Draymond better than anybody. They obviously know their team better than anybody, too. They know how Jordan Poole feels right now and how he's dealing with it. They know how Steph feels. They know how Clay feels. Uh, they know what their culture is about and what their dynamics are about. And they also know what's at stake, which is their their core group is getting older. They're trying to repeat. They're trying to, to add a fifth championship. They're trying to catch Robert Ory for the number of rings. Um, <laughs> and so if, if, if the calculus there is... We suspend Draymond for eight games, ten games, whatever. I said just one. I'm not saying eight, just one. Or okay, all right. So maybe, maybe just one. Um, what does that do to our team dynamics? Does that exacerbate the tensions we're already feeling? Because now Draymond feels put out and separate from the team. Or is the best way forward, especially considering we're trying to win another championship, to bring him back into the fold as soon as possible? And by the way, Jordan Poole, according to Steve Kerr, has already spoken with Draymond, and Jordan Poole has kind of consented to this approach and Steph has consented to this approach. If everybody's on the same page internally, you're already looking at me funny. If everybody's on the same page internally, uh, w- doesn't it make sense that, look, we have decided as a group, we want we would rather have him back in the fold, deal with it in our own way rather than do the obvious suspension thing. I, I, I understand what you're saying, but let me put this scenario out there. First, let me, but that's going to come in a minute. Now, okay. who cares what, you know, Steph says or Clay says this is all about what Poole thinks because he Absolutely. was the one that was clocked. You know, yes, they sit down outside looking in. It's how he's going to react. So who cares what those other people say? So now back to the scenario. What if that Steph that he punches? The whole dynamics change. Why? Because a is Steph. He's an elite player in this league. He is the face of the franchise. He's almost the face of the league now. Everybody else gets involved because it's Steph. And and in this day and age, it's like, and it comes in the sport world, I know there's certain people who matter more than others. But when it comes to a situation like this, nobody should matter more than another person. So now if this is Steph, the whole world is in the uproar. They they should suspend him for the season. These are things that will come out of mouth because they don't value pool as much as they value Steph. So therefore, he don't get the crown. The punishment, I should well, say. All right. All right. I, I, I get that. And I think mm-hmm. it's a really interesting uh, analogy because, yes, immediately the, the, the <laughs> image you conjure in your head is, man, you even touch Steph. You're done, right? Like, <laughs> we're, just, yeah. we're just waving your ass at that point, right? <laughs> um, okay. So, fair. But, um, I mean, I, I agree with the, the first thing you said, which is that uh, the only person who matters in all this, in how they uh, decide how to move forward, is, is Jordan Poole. Everything that we're hearing, and Poole hasn't spoken yet, they're kind of giving him as much time as, as necessary before. And he was never all that comfortable speaking in those media press conferences anyway. Uh, like, he's, he's good with the media, but he's not – it's it's kind of like not something he's, he's is his favorite thing to do. <laughs> so the, they're giving Jordan Poole some time. Yeah. But they have, but, but Jordan Poole, they're not bringing Draymond back this quickly if Jordan Poole has not signed off. So if the, if the, if the victim of the incident, if we want to use that terminology, okay. Is, okay, is okay with it, then doesn't that 
indicate that okay, this is this is the way to go. If if Jordan Poole said, "Listen, I can't see that guy. I can't work with that guy. I can't," then you, then it's a different set of circumstances. I think the implication here is that Jordan Poole has kind of said, "No, we're good. We're okay." Yeah, I, I think there's something else because it's like all of a sudden, oh, Jordan Poole's getting his extension. You know what I mean? So think about that. He was going to get it anyway. It, 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 I know that, but maybe it's all he got an extra ten million for for his troubles. Is that what you're telling me? Exactly, and that's my <laughs> whole point. You know, hey, you know, ten million reasons to make you like, oh, let him come back in. You know what I mean? So it, it, it is really weird that as soon as this happened, I know they said it was going to give his extension, but all of a sudden this happened. Oh, I got my extension. All right, we now have the contract <laughs> conspiracy theory layered on top of this. I love it. Um, hey, I, but I'm on a personal note, you know. If I'm Poole, could I play with Draymond again? No, I couldn't. Really, I, I was gonna. Yeah, was, that was gonna be my next question: is what this does mm-hmm. to chemistry and trust and all those things that really matter to a team winning at the highest level? Because you think about this, you're never gonna. It's never gonna. You're never gonna forget it. By every arena you go on, everybody's gonna be behind the bench saying, "Poole, how you and Draymond doing? Y'all going to dinner tonight?" This and he's in every road game. He's gonna get it. Even if he might get it at home because who knows who's going to sit behind, who's going to walk by the bench. Yo, Pooh, how's your draw feeling? Yo, Draymond, is your hand broken? You know, it's so many things. So he's never going to forget about it. And it's, this is the one thing that's going to stick with him the rest of his career. So that, to me, is why Draymond should be suspended. That's me why, you know, there should be some kind of compensation for me getting jaw jacked. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Does this does this make it that much harder for them to repeat as champions? And not just the dynamics between Poole and Draymond, but the whole team and Draymond. Like, how long does it take to get over or reform those bonds, and can they? Well, you know, let's be real. It's hard to repeat. And if you look at their team, they're up in age. And Draymond didn't perform well at all last year. If it wasn't for Steph having an incredible you know, postseason, we wouldn't be talking about them, you know, repeating. And, and I think it's hard to have that repeat performance that you had in that postseason. And, you know, it always going to depend on if, if Clay can stay healthy yeah. and Draymond can stay healthy because if you watch Poole, Poole is, is right there on the cusp of being one of the most dynamic players on the team. But you're going to need – but you're going to have this looming, this dark cloud looming on you, so it's always going to be that moment where you don't know where Poole's going to click or Draymond's going to click and something else is going to happen. Yeah, no, you're right, and that's the thing. It, it's um, it, it's it's this delicate thing, right? Yes, uh, very. Winning a championship, you need some luck along the way. You need good injury luck. You need good team dynamics. It, you know, Phil Jackson had that phrase he used to use where things turn on a trifle. I never quite mm-hmm. understood what that meant, but I understood what it meant. Um, it's a funny <laughs> phrase, but the idea was the smallest little thing sometimes changes the course of a game, a mm-hmm. season a championship uh, run, yeah. you know, and yeah, I mean, I got to think this one's tough to get through. Um, Rob, just thinking about all of this, it actually did remind me of in the years that I was covering you guys, um, you get to know players in, in two different uh, circumstances, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody's different on the court than off, right? I know you off the court. Nice guy, good guy, guy that people would love to hang out with. But if you saw Robert Ory throw the towel at Danny Ainge, and you alluded to that earlier, or you saw Robert Ory hip check Steve Nash into the boards in the playoffs, um, you'd think, oh man, that guy, he's a bad dude or whatever. Or the other person I thought of actually was your teammate, Rick Fox. Rick, 
really bright guy, thoughtful person, um, great dude off the court. Rick was a maniac sometimes on the court and probably got involved in more in-game fights, dust-ups, snarling, bullshit, all this stuff than anybody. <laughs> and I remember Rick Rick once told, I think it was Scott Howard Cooper from the LA Times and in a, in a story that he wrote, uh, Rick once told him something about like, I, it's not that I don't get... I don't get mad. I just snap or something like that. And the idea was that whatever else Rick Fox is as a person on the court, sometimes something just snaps. And that's what I thought about with Draymond, like Draymond, smart guy, good guy, thoughtful person. Um, all these other wonderful things off the court. I've, I've talked to him many times. He's very likable, but on the court, sometimes Draymond snaps. And this is a case where it happened in practice. So I'm just curious, like, is that, you know, you've you've had a lot of teammates, and you you were teammates with Vernon Maxwell, who people can go Google Vernon Maxwell if they don't know his his history as a player too. But like that dichotomy, like that it, it's not who you are on the court is not who you are in life. Um, but sometimes who you are on the court is is um, not a people not 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 a person that people would would uh, approve of. Yeah, you know, you know, even mentioned a guy like Rasheed Wallace. Sure. I don't yeah. Know people know one of the nicest freaking guys off the court you ever meet, and I think Isaiah. I, I, don't, I don't remember the quote exactly. Isaiah. I remember hearing him say, "If you're gonna judge me by me bouncing the ball and shooting the ball and playing a silly little game about who I am off the court, you know, you're you're an idiot." And I think people look at the, the idiot box, which is the TV, and judge people by what they see on TV. And I've had a, I had a lot of guys that, you know, you come to practice someday, you're looking at the person like there's something wrong. People forget that when you're at home, you know, like for my situations, I remember I would snap every day is when my daughter was really sick and nobody knew this because I didn't tell nobody. And so this was my outlet to let go of some of that frustration that was going on. I remember when my daughter was in really sick and I, I cussed him dunking out in practice. And it was just certain things that, you you know, you think this is a physical sport. And in that physicality, things come out, and that's the way to exert that energy, let some of that frustration out. You know, you think about it, you try to dunk on somebody really hard, that's letting that frustration out because you don't want to punch someone because these are your teammates. And I've had a lot of guys where, you know, they come in, you can tell, oh, something's happening at home. He's arguing with his wife. You know, his kid is sick. And I think a lot of people forget that basketball players or athletes in general are human, and they have emotions, and we're – told to like hold these emotions in because you know we're idols uh you know people look up to us and you get in trouble if you let those emotions out and that's pretty much everybody and i I think but when you're doing something with some physicality you instead of bumping at a 10 percent, you bump bump at a 90 percent, which causes the other person like man what the hell's going on um so those are things that you know you have to look at and there's a lot of players like that there's a lot of players you can control it you know, you look at the frustration Fish had in Utah when his yeah. daughter, when his child was sick. He just wanted out of the organization, wanted to go home. And so I think people, like I said, forget that there's a human nature factor and that nobody is this, you know, you know, this stone wall who can just move through life without any emotions. Yeah. And that you don't you don't shut it off just because you showed up to work like just yeah. people bring bring stuff to the office in everyday life all the time. Um, I'm really glad you brought that up, actually, Rob, because. 
you know, Draymond said, you know, he spoke to the media for 40 minutes last Saturday, which again, like I, I, I admire the way the Warriors have handled this. They've been as upfront mm-hmm. as they possibly can be. And everybody's been, you know, in you know, speaking to the media and, and, and being accountable, whether it's Bob Myers or Steve Kerr, Steve, Steph Curry, Draymond, they all spoke about this as soon as, as they could to, to meet this head on. Doesn't negate anything that happened, but I appreciate the accountability. But Draymond yeah. said, yeah, I've got some stuff going on and it doesn't excuse anything but he was at least trying to give us some insight into why he might not have been in his best frame of mind. And, you know, there's all, there's a context to these things. There's a context to everybody's career and, and every, every incident like this. Um, good chance there's something else going on. So like something I try to remind myself and I remind people after covering this league a long time, um, you know, first of all, as, as in life, no one should be defined by their worst moment for the most part. Um, but people never forget, and I, I get that. And who you are on the court is not necessarily who you are in real life. Basketball is the game, and it's your profession, and you guys played at a very high level, and there are stakes involved, It's but it's not reflective necessarily of who you are. People get very judgmental at times like this, and it, it mm-hmm. kind of gra- grates on me a bit. Um, last thing on this, last quick thought. So we mentioned uh, two of your moments of villainy in the NBA. <laughs> Uh, the hip check to Steve Nash and the towel with Ainge. I, I think those are the two highlights, lowlights, right? I don't know if there, there was any other moments where you had to deal with being the villain, I guess, other than being a spur coming back and having to play against the Lakers. But that was the Lakers' choice, not yours. So, um, but they actually so what, cheered me, so I was happy about that. Yeah, as they should, <laughs> as they should. Um, okay, so what's it like being the villain and how long does that follow you and how tough is that? Like, because you think of yourself like, oh, I'm a good guy. I'm like, I, yeah, I, sure, I threw a towel at the coach, but I, as you've said many times, you didn't like Danny Ainge when he was a player, much less as your coach. Um, and the hip check to Nash, I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know what that was about. But I mean, you're, it's not, it's, it's not um, you weren't trying to be the villain in those moments. It's, these are things that happen in, in, a, in a, a heat of a game, in a, in a snap second but you have to deal now with people thinking of you in a certain way. And Draymond, of course, has been dealing with that most of his career. So I'm just curious about like the, the psychology of like, okay, this is how I'm going to be viewed and what people are going to say about me for a while. But you know, for me that all that, that just applies to Phoenix. Phoenix doesn't like me, you know, because it's Steve Nash with the Phoenix Suns, Danny Ainge with the Phoenix Suns. So it's only, it's localized. <laughs> so That's, everybody yeah. else in the world. You're just like not me. welcome in the state of Arizona, <laughs> I guess. You're just not welcome in Phoenix. And, and, you know, and the thing about it is, you know, you welcome that. When you go to Phoenix, um, you, they boo you. I, I could care less. You know, you yeah. you know, the, you booing me or you booing the Lakers or you booing the Spurs. I could give two farts about it, you know. <laughs> and and the, thing, the thing about being a villain, when you hit as many big shots as me, you're gonna be a villain in other places. But that those are respect villains. And yeah. when you respect the villain, you don't really care. But I think about Kobe and in in New York. You think about um, Ice Trey in New York. They they're villains there. MJ in New York. But it's a respected villain. They boo you because they know you gave them numbers and it's sort of respect. In my case, and Phoenix, they boo you because they just flat out think you did the organization wrong. And the hip check on yeah. Steve Nash was um, it was. You know how coaches sometimes take texts and because they don't get calls? That was me showing the rest. Oh, you want to call all these cheap files for the guy who won MVP who shouldn't have won MVP? I'm going to show you what's going to happen here. So that's why I body checked him. You know, Danny Ainge was just a situation where lies. He was lying to me about playing time in certain situations. And then from him telling me he hit Mario 
in the face with the ball on purpose. So all that was like a boiling up thing for me with the Danny Ainge. So I couldn't hit him with my fist, so I hit him with a towel. <laughs> <laughs> I looked up both of these. You got two game suspensions for each of those. Um, so that the interesting again, just when and you know, different time, different context, different everything. But Draymond obviously no suspension, and you got uh, the two game suspension for throwing a towel at your coach. So, but the, and, I made my money. It's interesting. I made my money back for the one with um, the suspension by his actual sons, and so because when I got traded to the Lakers, the Lakers had we had played um, two more games than the Lakers, so technically. I got my money back. <laughs> That's funny. I hadn't even. I had, count on you to have done the math there. That's that's phenomenal. Uh, all right, let's talk about your Lakers, the current Lakers, uh, for a bit here. Um, so, as I said, I don't know if you had gotten wind of this, but, but yeah, before we started recording. Reports by ESPN, uh, Dave McMenamin does a great job covering the Lakers there, says Russ is going to come off the bench. I don't know if this is a one-game experiment just to see how it looks and how it feels, if this is a precursor to what might happen maybe on opening night or just kind of like maybe get things, you know, kind of set up in case they need to do it later in the season. What do you think of Russ coming off the bench, what that might mean, and is it, you know should is that the right move anyway? Maybe he should just be playing off the bench at this stage. You know, you can look at Russ as a Manu Ginobili. You know, think about the energy. Everybody knows Manu should have been starting. He should have been starting, but he provided a certain energy off that bench that a team needed. And and I, I hope Russ look at this situation, if it does happen, as not a demotion, as something that can help the team be better. You know, think about it. You know, even I came off the bench, I could give two craps about starting. I just wanted to be in, in the fourth quarter because that's when it mattered. And so if this does happen, it would be good for the team. But it might be doing it because Schroeder is coming back. Mm. You know, Schroeder, I don't know if you watched him in the EuroLeague this summer. He was killing. Yeah. He played very well. And he played very well alongside LeBron and AD when he was in a Laker uniform. You think about it. He had great numbers. And he was just foolish not to sign that extension. And so I think that might be what they're looking at because there's a better chemistry there. And now when 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 the Russ comes in the game, he can be that guy as he was in Washington where he can just push the ball, do what he wanted to do, and do those type of things. So I think as a whole, everybody in this situation, you need to say what's best for the individual and what's best for the team. And for me, if, if I'm Ham, I would really, really explore this because the connection Schroeder had with those other two in that team and what the energy – an effort that Russ could provide off the bench. I, I totally see all that, Rob, and it makes sense to me. Also, they've just frankly got a glut of guards between Russ and Pat Beverly and Kendrick Nunn and Schroeder, Austin Reeves, and besides that, LeBron James is basically the point guard of every team he's ever on anyway. So there's a lot of guys who who kind of want the ball in their hands and, and they got to figure out uh, the, the timing here uh, and the, the minutes distribution, all that stuff. Um, it's interesting, though. Uh, so, all right, you were... Uh, you know, a high-level role player, let's say, throughout your career, starter or bench or whatever else. And yes, as you say, you were always going to be in there in the fourth quarter. I I would say easier on some level for you to, to take a step back and say play off the bench than Russ at this stage, a guy who's been an MVP 
or, you know, when Paul Pierce was aging out, right? And the Celtics trade him to the Nets. Now he's a role guy. Then he goes to, to Washington. I can't remember if he started there. And eventually Doc brings him off the bench, I think, in L.A. when he's with the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of Vince Carter and the transition he made. Some guys can make, at that level, the all-stars, yeah. make the transition gracefully. And some are like, you just can never let go, right? Like Allen Iverson, who could make like that Iverson. And I'm, I'm hoping Russ doesn't be an obviously if he comes in that because he's still a good player. You know, he's still on the cusp of still being a great player. He's still able to do a lot of things that, you know, 90% of the league can't do. You know, and I think and, – and, and, he, and he can't have that mindset as, oh, I'm a starter. You're a basketball player. Yeah. Period. I'm, I, I, listen, I, I've, I've said it since he got there because I didn't I, – I, the rush trade to me was problematic. I'm not sure he's the best fit. I still think there's a strong possibility they end up trading him at some point during the season. I yeah. don't know your, how, what, you know, your thoughts on, on that aspect of it. But if you're going to maximize his uh, abilities while he's there, it does make sense to me to not have him overlap as much with LeBron because Russ is incredibly dangerous still with the ball in his hands, and it's hard for him to play off the ball, and you don't want to take the ball out of LeBron's hands. You know, I, I, you know, it's funny. You and I think alike. I love Russ as a player, but when you think of a team, it's a pie. And I just didn't think that piece of the pie fit. You love Russ as a player because Russ is a guy who's ball dominant. You know, then you look over at LeBron's ball dominant. So, you know, you love the fact that you have a third star, but it didn't. It doesn't fit. You know, everybody said, well, everybody has three stars, you know, in, in Miami. Yeah, but D-Wade can play off the ball. You know, the, speaking of guards. Um, yeah. You know, and then you go to the big three in Boston. None of them really handled the ball because of Rondo was the facilitator. He put yeah. them all in the right position to be successful. And and it's, it's so many guys around the league that say, oh, it's a big three, you should automatically win. No, it has to be a perfect fit. It can't be rubbed up against the gun. It can't be a circle in a square peg. It has to fit. And the Russ thing to me, I love Russ as a player. I, I wanted him on the Lakers before we got LeBron. But then we got LeBron, like, it doesn't fit, you know? And and I I still wonder about that situation also. Yeah, not all big threes are created equally and and not all uh, fit as well. Um, I'll be very curious to see how the big three in my backyard here in Brooklyn ends up uh, (laughs) panning out this season. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents... A new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 
Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The other thing I've been kicking around, because I, I, you know, Anthony Davis addressed this a couple days ago, just about whether or not he'd be playing more center. Um, he's obviously their best center. Now, it doesn't mean you necessarily have to play him there all the time, but uh, if we're talking about maximizing the Lakers' rotation, maximizing what they have. They obviously don't have great depth. You're trying to get this team back in the mix again. I don't know if it's even possible this season, and the West has gotten really good. Uh, mm-hmm. But do you do you do you see it that way also, Rob? Is 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 Anthony Davis at center in addition to Russ off the bench? Are those moves that you make to try to to um, squeeze a little more out of this group? You know, it, it's I don't think people understand there are no more positions in basketball; they're just slots. Fair because you know, even though I didn't want to play power four when I first started out with the Rockets, I ended up doing it, and look what happened. You know, small ball was invented, and and you look at. Uh, AD is like you play you if you look around the league and let's just go let's just start in the west because that's where the majority is game what center in the west should fear him or he should fear nobody not Jokic, not the stifle tower there's nobody so you have that there's nobody in the in the west that can guard you so even at the powerful or the center position you want to play the center because now they got to put a smaller person in the game. You get more offensive. It's so many different things that can come into play if he plays that position. Even And think about it. He's outside shooting threes and on the permanent. Anyway, it doesn't matter who's guarding. Your role never changes. You know how back in the day, oh, let's say take the triangle, for instance. Oh, you're going to move to center. Now you go from block to block. It's not like you're on the perimeter where you're in the four to three to two spot. You're on block. There's no more position like that. Every team runs the same plays. They do a dribble weave outside the three to try to set up a three. They got guys coming off picks for threes. It doesn't matter what your position is. Just get on the court and play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Anthony Davis should be a little bit more open to this change of position that's not really that big of a change. You, you know what they should do? They should label him as the power forward 
and label LeBron as the center. Now you're not the center now. <laughs> There's no problem. It's, I think it's the label that makes him mad. No, okay, you want to show your versatility? Okay, you're going to be the three. Matter of fact, we're going to label you as the small forward. Does that make you feel even better? <laughs> there you go. All right, so how about this? Was Tim Duncan a center or a power forward? Not that it matters. He, he was a center. He was a center that got pushed over to power forward because he had a center that was a true, true center. And think about it. You're talking David about left, Rosho Nesterovich, right? No, I'm talking about David Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> Rosho would just sit the game when we need a big body. <laughs> but then you think about it. At the end of the game, where is Tim? He's yeah. at the five. Yeah. Where is someone else? At the four, three, and two. Even, you know, it's just, you know, it was a way to, to be, be got think of When Tim played, there were more centers, true centers in the league. Yes. So, therefore, you know, it's different. There are no true centers. It, it, right now, there's probably three true centers in the league. Joel Embiid, mm-hmm. Rudy Gobert, uh huh. Who would be the third? JaVale McGee. <laughs> no, but I'm saying at, at a high level, you're saying yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you really don't even want to call Jokic a center. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I was I was avoiding Jokic because of the way he plays. Right, like Jokic yeah. is basically a guard. Yeah, he's he's just he's a Jokic. I mean, he's it's it's. And this is why we probably should just eliminate positions from our, our vocabulary and from ballots and everything else. True. Uh, but, I, but I've said this. My little bit of pushback on that is, like, we're not really in a positionless era. We're in a positionally fluid era, right, where there are still positions. Like, Embiid is not a is not – you're never going to confuse him with being a point guard, a shooting guard, a small forward, or even a power forward. Embiid's a center. Jokic, you could say based on his skill set, compared to traditional skill sets at other positions that he's not playing like a center, right? Okay, I get that one. But there's only one Jokic. And there's, you know, obviously Giannis is, is a, you know, a freak of nature. He's the Greek freak. He's, there are a lot of guys who defy positional definitions. But I think the majority of the league actually still mostly fits into a position. So I think we're positionally fluid, not so much positionless entirely. You're not rolling out just five. Yeah, sorry. The other center I was really talking about was 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 Miles Turner because he's the only other center you know that's Uh, in there blocking shots and stuff like that. But future Laker Miles Turner. (laughs) 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 Hey, you would seem like AD is probably fighting for that since he doesn't want to play center. Like bring Miles Turner in here. He's a true center, (laughs) not me. (laughs) But you can also, I mean, the the beauty of that pairing would be both those guys can step out. And actually, Miles Turner is a very capable three-point shooter, better three-point shooter than Anthony Davis is. Uh, and you have a lot of defense, a lot of shot blocking, a lot of length. So, um, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see if that one ever gets done. Let me uh, finish on this note with the Lakers. Um, they didn't make any dramatic offseason moves, uh, but they did hire a new coach in Darvin Ham. You played against Darvin Ham for a bunch of your years in the league. Uh, impressions of him as a coach, but also anything you remember about Darvin, as a player, do you guys ever uh, get into it with each other on <laughs> no. the court? Uh, any, any, any Darvin Ham impressions? You know, Darvin Ham has been a guy I've been knowing since Texas Tech. He used to work out with us in Houston. He was always in the gym trying to get better. He had a thirst for knowledge, always willing to listen and learn. And I think that's what he's always done also as a coach. He listened and learned. And I, I you know, when the, everybody was talking about, you know, the Lakers having a new coach, Darvinham was in Darvinham Sam Cassell was my first two choices because they played and they they've been on the benches for a long time. You know, I didn't want no disrespect to Steve Nash. I didn't want someone like a Steve Nash to come in this situation who has no experience. You know, because 
you look at what, you know, they said about him when he first got there. He really ain't a coach anyway, you know what I mean? So you wanted someone with a voice. And you think about it, Darman Ham has a great voice. He's one of those guys, let's, let's, let's be honest, there's a lot of guys like, you know, let's take Dale Harris, for instance, when Nick Van Exel cusses him out. You ain't cussing Darvin Ham out. You know, <laughs> you might get Draymond if you cuss Darvin Ham out. <laughs> and so you got to look at situations like that where coaches, I think, in this day and age, they have to command an audience, meaning command the locker room. Because these guys are built yeah. different now. You know, they they look at you like, what have you done in the league? What can you what can the information you can tell me and provide for me? And I think Darvin Ham has won the championship as a coach, has won the championship as a player. So he has that respect. Think about when Phil came to the Lakers. You were there. The whole dynamics of this, you know, it changed. You know, Shaq perked up, Kobe mm-hmm. perked up, because he was, even though you know, Phil's a different on a different level than Darvin. He coached Michael Jordan. He won championships. So he had that respect factor. But I'm thinking still, though, these guys, they know Darvin. They know the grind he's done to get to where he is. And so I think that respect comes in. And when that respect comes in, that that voice comes in, and then they start to perk up and listen. Because I think that's all the Lakers really need is that voice to make them listen and go down that right path. A lot of shots fired at Steve Nash in the course of this podcast. You you basically you, you took away one of his MVPs. You justified why it was right to hip check him into the boards and break his nose or whatever, give him a bloody nose. Now you're like no. basically like trying yeah, to take his is, coaching job away. Oh, see, that's the problem. Everybody thinks I bloody and broke his nose. That was him head button um, Tony Parker. That had nothing to oh, do. Oh, that was with a me. different. That was a different play. Yeah. And this and this, this and it goes back to the, if you go back and watch that game, he's. Let me ask you this. If someone's bleeding, are they allowed to be in the game? No. Steve Nash was still allowed to be in the game. So that's why I hip-checked him because they gave him too much credit. <laughs> they allowed him to do things that no other player could do. I love Steve Nash. Steve Nash was my Great rookie. Dude. But let's be honest. There's certain things that you you know he should have won that MVP. You know Kobe should have won that MVP. I was not voting that year because I was working for the New York Times, so I plead the fifth. I was not allowed to vote during all of my years at the New York Times, so I did not vote on that one. I did not even think about that one. I don't know how I would have voted. Can't blame me. And you know he shouldn't be. Think about it. You need someone, you know, to if you're going to coach KD and Kyrie, you can't bring a guy in here who's never coached before that those guys are looking at, dude, I played against you. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's all like me and the Steve Nash thing. I mean, in the, um, then hey, I got no respect for you. I played against you. I killed you. What what the heck? I'm respect you for in your knowledge. So yeah. those are the things you got to look at. I love Steve Nash. It's not any shots fired at Steve Nash. These are all truths and facts. I mean, listen. They should. They should. You should get credit for helping usher Danny Ainge away from the bench into a front office role where he has very much thrived. <laughs> he. He clearly should have just been a GM from the get-go. Maybe maybe Steve Nash needs to go work as as GM instead. Now, and listen, I'm with you. Like Nash, you and I both know, really smart about the game, great guy, and probably could become a great head coach, but maybe this was not the right team at the right time given just the the massive personalities and the eccentricities of some of those personalities. <laughs> I'm being kind today. Um not not the easiest way to start your coaching career, and um, I'll be curious to see how that goes, too. Uh, you want to make any predictions before we go here? How about uh, Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals? I won't even make you do the finals, but who's two teams for the East and two teams for the West? Um, for the East, I think, um, of course, Milwaukee. And for some odd reason, I'm thinking Miami. Really? Because a lot of people are counting Miami out. Yeah. And I think Miami has a, a – 
because you got to think about Tyler Hero is getting better and better. He's so young when he got into the league. He should be still in college. He's getting better. You know, you know, Jimmy Buckets is amazing. Bam is one of those guys who guard anybody on the court. And he feels disrespected because he's never got, you know, top for like defensive player of the year. So Miami's been not being talked about. We're still talking about the Celtics getting back. We're talking about, you know, Brooklyn. And we're talking about, you know, the new dynamics of Philly and, you know, James being there for a whole year. But I still think the Miami Heat hmm. has a situation where they can get back to the Eastern Conference Finals. Fair. Yeah, I mean, we, we we perennially underrate the Heat, and they don't have the kind of firepower mm-hmm. offensively that some of the teams have. But yeah, they're tough as hell. You know they're going to bring it defensively. Spolstra is one of the best coaches in the league. Uh, never underestimate Jimmy Butler. And and you're right, like Bam, Bam just keeps getting better too. So I'm, I'm yeah. there. What about in the West? In the West, I think it's just going to boil down to, I think Phoenix is going to be back there. I know everybody's, they, we haven't even talked about Phoenix. You know, they had a really bad hiccup. You know, there are always certain teams that just can, you know, beat you. And, and think about the way Donkers did them. He just beat them. And I, I think they're the, the, the best team. And then Memphis. We're not talking about Memphis. I seen when they had Memphis ranked like four or five. You know, Memphis is a really, really good team. And everybody's going to say, well, what about Golden State? I just think Golden State was in the perfect position. They matched up well with the teams. And they didn't have to face, you know, you know, they faced Memphis, which is a young, dumb team. That's why they was able to beat them. So I think Memphis has grown and they're smarter now. So I think it's going to be Memphis and Phoenix. And nobody, wow. and everybody's going to look at me like I'm crazy. But John Moran is not being talked about MVP. So he's going to be pissed. If he can stay healthy, that team is going to be good. Because think about it. They got some dogs over there that we don't talk yeah. about. There's two teams in the West that you did not mention. Uh, the Nuggets, who everybody expects to surge. I can't say the Clippers, man. I can't I was, for the Clippers. You know better than that. That's I what I was. Clippers. I was leading right there. This clearly your Laker bias against the Clippers. You cannot possibly give them credit because uh, they're they're yeah. one of those those early favorites too because of Kawhi coming yeah. back. They got amazing depth. They got John Wall now. Um, I mean, they definitely should be in that mix somehow. They 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 probably end up with the best record in basketball because they have the deepest bench. You know, I don't know if you and I don't know if this doesn't like you know look at way Zion's body. You talk about way Zion's body look now, but we ain't talking about how Kawhi's body now. He looked just like Zion's body. So, you know, I mean, they've been in the off season in the lab working. So, and I just you know, I just can't root for the Clippers, man. It's just it's just against my nature. <laughs> even though I, hey, even though they will probably have the best record in basketball, I just can't root for them. <laughs> I totally get it. Also, by the way, on, on purely a basketball basis, uh, they've had a few uh, pratfalls in the postseason with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So uh, it, it is one of those things where I think a lot of us are expecting or, or just looking at them saying, like, you got to show me first. Like, I'm not I'm not giving you that out the gate because we've seen you guys fall short too many times. But the yeah. talent is definitely there. You know, I'm, I'm really interested in watching New Orleans this year because I think B.I., is one of the best players in this game. I want to see how Zion goes to work. So that's going to be a really interesting team to watch also. I agree. I agree. I just did a big feature story, cover story on Zion for our NBA preview issue at Sports Illustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that team's got all the potential in the world. I think Willie Green's a really good young head coach. Um, yeah. I, 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 that They're going to be a lot of fun to watch. You got another another kind of sleeper or, or a team of intrigue out there? Um, in the whole league or just in the West? Uh, let's go east since since the Pelicans are in the west. <laughs> um, I think you know nobody they're gonna be talking about Spider and, 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 and but I'm looking at Chicago. You know I think Chicago's a little bit healthier. You know they're gonna be, learn how to play without ball and I, I'm, I'm a huge Demar Derozan fan. I think Chicago 
because now they got a whole season to play together. I think Chicago's one of those teams that's going to either, – either, either I was going back and forth with Chicago and New York. Yeah. So, with Chicago. Yeah, the, 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 I feel like the, the Bulls, everybody's kind of like, okay, that was a nice little run, and now we're kind of pushing them to the side because the Cavs are surging and the Hawks yeah. got DeJounte Murray, and we're kind of expecting all these teams to leapfrog them, which I'm sure the Bulls are very aware of. So yes. Um, yes. they'll probably want to push back against that. Uh, Rob, this has been great. Appreciate you coming back. Uh, catch him on Spectrum Sportsnet. I think I got that right. Um, <laughs> in in LA, and of course on League Pass, we can catch uh, all of all the uh, all the regional studio shows. Uh, and opening night, Tuesday night, ring night, uh, Lakers at Warriors. Catch that on TNT. Rob's old team against. <laughs> the Golden State Draymonds. Uh, Rob, <laughs> this has been great, man. Thanks for coming back. It would back. be the most watched game in a long time. <laughs> no, no question. All right, thanks, my friend. All right, brother. Have a great one. Okay, that's it for today's show. My thanks again to Robert Ori. Thanks to our producer, Shelby Royston. And thank you all for listening. Remember, you can hear Chris Mannix and me every Tuesday on The Crossover with all the latest NBA chatter. And then on Fridays, it's me and a guest. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to The Crossover wherever you get your podcasts. And hit me with all your feedback on Twitter, at Howard Beck. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 